What's one thing that every person in this room is going to become older? All prejudice relies on othering, seeing a group of people as other than ourselves, other race, other religion, other nationality. The strange thing about ageism, that other is us. Ageism feeds on denial, our reluctance to acknowledge that we are going to become that older person. Ending prejudice against our future selves. Today we're talking about ageism. I'm Chaz, he's Brett, and this is The Furious Curious. Right, Chaz. Mortality is cruel. It is. And Father Time, to my knowledge, is undefeated. He is. Except Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. seems to be giving him a run for his money. Mm, Yes. Unfortunately. Tom Cruise, too. He's like... (laughs) I know. I don't know Uh, what he's doing. It's a Scientology. I don't know. uh, Who knows? I mean, don't knock it till you try it. Avocados and spinach. (laughs) <laughs> so ageism, why are we doing ageism yes. today, Britt? We have learned that it is uh, an increasingly relevant topic. Uh, I think more and more people are feeling it. There's, you know, we'll unpack that why. But this was hard to crack, I think. You know, I think, you know, we well, generally when we talk about ageism, it cuts both ways, right? Typically, we're talking about ageism as discrimination against older people, uh, but it also goes discrimination against younger people. So what I've realized is doing, in doing all this research and, and why I think this is um, more relevant now and why people are talking about it now is, you know, it is one of those last frontiers of discrimination. I don't say last frontiers. There's a lot of, it's probably an endless frontier, but it is like kind of a frontier of, you know, it, it's still a, almost an acceptable discrimination. Yeah. And I think, I think now as we have, become more conscious of our our own discriminations, our own bias, our own prejudice, uh, each and every one of us, you know, I think it's it's clear that, you know, we're to a varying degree, we're all ageist and we probably do that without knowing like we do with a lot of prejudice. But I think that's why we've we're starting to arrive at this. And as we've had a you know, a larger population that is aging, I think this is why it's starting to bubble up into the public consciousness. What's your thoughts? Well, maybe yeah. we should define it first. Yeah. Yeah, well, basically defined, I mean, I, th- I think you did a pretty good job um, just then. It, it's a stereotyping and or discrimination and or discrimination against individuals or groups on the basis of their age. Yeah. Um, but as it relates to this topic of conversation, you know, la- we're going to sort of frame this largely through through the workforce, you know, uh, we, right. we all live and breathe in the workforce and el- elder workers have been discriminated against and continue to be so. But also, I guess, the diminishing value that elders in our community and societies, yeah. uh, the, the esteem in which they're held, 
has seemingly been in decline for a period of time. Now, there's always been, you know, been jokes uh, around people's age. I saw an article today that was saying um, jokes, uh, you know, birthday cards that are age-related are, are discriminatory. And it's like, okay, you, you know, you could make a joke about it and say, well, you know, you could lighten up a bit. But when you think about it, like, why is it? Why is it fun to make light of, uh, you know, someone getting older? Like, you know, it happens to all of us, hopefully. So it's like, is that really funny? And, and and should we be making light or making fun of a scenario like that? So I, I just think there are many different applications of it. Um, why is it particularly appealing to you, Britt? Well, I think what's unique about this discrimination is that it is a it is the last blatantly accepted discrimination, like we said, but it's unique because um, like 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 the racist and the sexist, the age rejects um, this other based and perceived difference. So the, what I'm saying is we're actually discriminating against our future selves. This is not something like, you know, Applegate what, or Applewhite. What's her first name? I'm forgetting your first name. Right Ashton, now. Ashton. Ashton Applewhite, who's done an, a, an incredible amount of work. Uh, on this topic has a great TED talk, which we'll link to. Uh, she says, unlike other prejudices, uh, such as racism and sexism, which are manifestations of fear of the quote other ageism is unique in targeting our future selves. Like we said, uh, no prejudice is rational. She says, but with ageism, uh, we have internalized it. We have been complicit in our own marginalization and mm -hmm. it will require active conscious raising to correct that just as the women's uh, movement did, or we could talk about many other, the New Yorker had a great article about this Tad friend who wrote something. He said, but ageism is singular because it is directed at a group uh, that at one point wasn't the other. Um, anyway, like it, it insults our future self. It's a discrimination against our future self. I think that's what makes it unique. Yeah. And it's interesting because as people have gotten older, in the workforce, yeah. they are valued less. And like it's almost like the, the economies. Uh, the, the the economies of capitalism sort of work against rewarding experience. Like you, yep. you see people who are certainly in our field, in the ad field, who are really at the the peak of their powers in their sort of their fifties and sixties. They're not they're not even really considered for roles a lot of the time. They might have been mm -hmm. priced out. They might be considered they're overqualified. Yeah, I, I hear that refrain quite often uh, mm -hmm. as 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 an excuse to not hire someone. Right. And it just seems incredibly myopic to for, for people who have sort of often decades of relevant experience um, in a range of fields that have stayed relevant as as the industries have evolved one day just because of the way they look or, or what their birth certificate says, they're considered persona non grata. Right. Now, that, that to right. me is uh, patently unfair. And I think anyone can, any discrimination is bad. I think we can all agree upon that. But this one is particularly egregious because it's sort of like putting people out to pasture for no apparent reason, you right. know, <laughs> a biological reality that they can't do anything about. So it's just, for me, I think it's shocking. I, I, I have noticed some advertising campaigns around this to be anti ageist which I think is refreshing because ultimately benefits us all as a society and it benefits us all as individuals. So yeah. There was that indeed. I think it was an indeed ad. I don't know if you yeah. saw that one. That was interesting. 
But I think Applewhite, she has a book on this. It's called, and we'll, it's called The Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism. Uh, she had a great TED Talk viewed uh, 1.3 million times. But she said something to me that was really, I think, pivotal to me. It was ageism. She said this, ageism is not a problem to be fixed or a disease to be cured. It's a natural and powerful lifelong process that unites us all. She views it as a human rights issue. Um, so mm. she thinks it's actually it's time to kind of discard this binary young old. Th this is another binary thing, you know, this yeah, yeah. Is like young versus old. And she says, you know, as we've as we've evolved in our thinking as a society, you know, we've understood that gender is not binary. You know, no. race necessarily isn't binary. It's not this. So why why is now young and old still this binary thing? So I think I think that's why it's bubbling up. Is it's almost that next arrival of like, okay, we need to start thinking about this in terms of not so rigid, not so binary. Yeah. No, I, I think that's totally reasonable. I, I also think one of the things that jumped out to me was the the nuance between certain cultures in terms of how ageism is embraced or accepted in various different places. Uh, I saw yeah. a, a quote, it, there was a, a study that was quoted in Forbes from Michigan State University. Uh, collectivist countries such as Korea, India, Brazil, and Japan appear less biased towards older people as their cultures mm -hmm. focus more on group cohesion and harmony than their more individualistic peers. By contrast, countries such as Ireland, Australia, and the United States tend to focus instead on independence and individual identity. Yeah. As such, these countries not only tend to have higher levels of age bias, but also focus more on staying youthful and active. I mean, we all want to drink from the fountain of youth, but perhaps not at the expense of the fount of wisdom. I can't believe I yeah. just said that. That was not written down, <laughs> by the way. That was off the cuff. Sorry. Sorry. Did you you add something to say on that, Britt? No, I was just saying, I, I think it's rush hour outside for you. It is. I, Chris Rock is just banging on my I window. I feel like and, it's, either, it's either rush hour with you or it, they're filming uh, Fast and Furious 12. It, no, it's, 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 actually, it's actually rush hour three and Jackie, oh. Chan, Jackie Chan just jumped off, off my rooftop. He's looking good. I thought they made a three. I think you're talking about four. Uh, did they? They definitely did two. Oh, I can't oh, recall. Anyway. Oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> He's nimble. He does all his own stunts. <laughs> Anyway, well, so, yeah, so those are numbers. Any other any other like hot numbers that we want to talk about before we get into the five reasons? No, I mean, uh, for me, uh, certainly, you know, give it to give it the COVID wrinkle, uh, the, yeah. the fact that, you know, nearly 900,000 Americans between the ages of 50 and 69 lost their jobs between December 19 and December 2020. That's a 5% decline in the number of employed people in that age group. Um, you know, some 21.2 million Americans in their 60s are no longer in the labor force. Uh, with, that was uh, from MarketWatch. So yeah. it, it, people are just seeing opportunities evaporate. And yeah. it's it, that that's what it is. It's not an obvious discrimination where people have sort of said, oh, you're discriminated based on age or race, sorry, uh, race or, or gender. It, it's It's sort of subtle. And these these opportunities stop showing up for people, yeah. and that in and of itself, I think, is very much an opportunity for discrimination and a real tragic one. This was actually really alarming to me, just on numbers here, Chaz. Like uh, there was a university University of Michigan poll, and it said more than eighty percent of those polled say they commonly experience at least one form of ageism in their day-to-day -day lives. So 80% and 40% say they routinely experience three or more forms of this everyday ageism. That's a lot. That's a it, lot. It, I don't know yeah. when this was. Now it may be less now 
during COVID. But, and then she said four in 10 respondents say they feel more comfortable. And this is the the optimistic side, four in 10, I guess this, maybe this isn't optimistic. That's less than 50%. Four in 10 respondents, uh, respondents say they feel more comfortable being themselves as they've gotten older uh, and that they have a strong sense of purpose. Uh, Two thirds said that their uh, life is better than they thought it would be. There's been some other research that ha- they, you know, they say happiness is sort of S-shaped, where um, you know it, it goes up. Sort of when you hit 30, uh, you're, you're still sort of increasing. And this is across the board. Obviously, individuals yeah. are different uh, as a collective aggregate. And then um, I think as you sort of hit 40, people feel a little. Uh, you know, depressed about that. And then it mm. sort of it dwindles that. So they, they become more sad as they sort of get into their fifties and, but past 50 and, you know, as it gets close to 60, right. People's general sense of well-being and happiness and life satisfaction improves. Right. Um, and I think there is probably the realization to accept there's acceptance. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. The acceptance of, of my life and, and focus on the good things and realize, Oh, guess what? I don't have to be on the Supreme court. Right. or play at Carnegie Hall, um, you know, or, or be, be in the NBA or whatever, I, I still have a great life. And I can, even if I don't have a great life, I can focus on, you know, be, be have gratitude for the things I do have and a general sense of well-being will result. So There's, I think it, yeah. it's almost like we're, we're, we're blocking these people out of the workforce as they're becoming the most content humans that they're, right. they're ever going to be, which I, I don't think it's a good thing. No, it's not. It's, it's definitely not. Do you think... Does this just seem to be like a version of Darwinism? You know, Ooh. the way the way we mask, you know, I, you know, I watch a lot of nature shows, right? Okay. And <laughs> that's another that's another episode coming up. <laughs> nature shows. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, David Attenborough. <laughs> Britain Rice is watching the meerkat on the African savanna. <laughs> uh I've heard what, what's my new favorite animal? Ta- capybara? Capy, capy. Oh, ch- not a chupacabra. That, that's that's fictional. That's capy, mythical. Right? Capybara. They're like a large rodent. Capybara. Ooh, uh, ugh, gross. Oh, they're they're cute, cute chaz. They're cute. Anyway, there's this Darwinist aspect of ageism that is unshakable to me, which is as you become older in the animal kingdom, an old lion at at some point gets his butt kicked and gets sure. actually becomes, becomes meat for the, uh, kicked out of the, the hyenas. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Right. Is there this unshakable, are we just trying to curtail? And I'm just being a devil's advocate here. I'm not advocating for, I'm not a Darwinist in the purest form, but is there some, <laughs> is there some sort of unshakable truth about, as you get older, that that's just the Darwinian aspect of us of, of this of this life. Well, I mean, to quote Lloyd Christmas, as you were talking, then <laughs> you know what? Old people, while slow and dangerous on the road, can still serve a purpose. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yes, probably in the yeah. animal kingdom, I think it is very much dog eat dog or lion eat lion or animal eat animal. Uh, it's a zero sum zero yeah. sum game. Yeah. Kill yeah. or be killed. Yeah. But I think in ancient societies, and, and I think this is absolutely, we're going to touch on this in the five reasons why, but yeah. like elderly people and experienced people have been the custodians of wisdom, of stories, of experience to pass on to generation to generation. Yep. And we're in the five reasons why we'll get onto that. So I do think there is a subtle yeah. difference between the animal kingdom and the humanity, uh, humanity at large. So, um, 
uh, yeah. Hot, I, hot take, hot take, Chaz. Wow. No, it, I'm just kidding. I love it. <laughs> it's true. We are the most evolved animals. We should be, we should be beyond Darwinism. One Let, hope. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. A little more compassionate. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so jumping into the five Moving reasons in. why you, well, um, you, you had the top one here. So what are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so in general, I think in, just goes without saying, this is more of an empirical thing that I think is pretty plain to all of us. You know, modernity has brought us technology and we'll get into technology, but we have longer lifespans now. And not only longer lifespans, but we have longer health spans. And I, as I was digging into the research here, there's lifespan, right? There's this idea of medical technology allowing you to stay alive longer. But, sure. you know, that doesn't necessarily mean quality of life or anything. That that's that's almost a physiological feat. But health span is better too now. In other yeah. words, people are living independently, living uh, living longer, but living better health span. And I thought health span was a really compelling difference. And so we have an increased lifespan and an increased health span. So we are out. We're hanging around longer. We are working longer, but. As I'm, as we're seeing here, there's there's this widening gap between the pace of technology, which we'll get into, the pace of life, whatever modernity and that at that Moder yeah. modernity has given us faster pace of life. It has given tech, give us technology. It has allowed us to live longer, but it yeah. also that pace is faster and makes it harder for a lot of us. And I say us as a human human race, old, older folks. I'll say. Um, I shouldn't even say that. See that that even that there is is a is a is prejudice. Uh, uh, is it? No, it's descriptive. I don't, know. I don't, I don't sure, think it's sure. Yeah. Well, so we're living longer, but you know, as we as we age, we may not be able to keep up with the accelerated pace of technology. So you have this you have this gap. But just first reason why increase lifespan. Everybody understands that. Increase health span too now. Yeah, and I, I think as a result, there is more people around. Um, perhaps in, in days gone by when uh, lifespans were shorter, there were just fewer old people to be right. discriminated against. Sure. It sounds so mortal to say that. Uh, right. Morbid rather. But, I mean, uh, there are there are more people around that provides more opportunity to discriminate against. I think, uh, you know, it, it's really sad. I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about the pace of um, – well, actually, this jumps into number two, the, the pace yeah. of technological change. Right. It, it, you know, you've had some interesting thoughts around this, but, you know, certain experience that people had growing up for elderly people that was once valued and, and when things changed less, it was even, you know, more a more valuable commodity. Yeah. We've seen a decline in that, va in that value of that um, information and experience and wisdom. So the fact that this yeah. increased technological change is the number two has really rendered people who were once seen as very valuable as less valuable in society. So it's, it's not, it's not, not about the diminishing of their value per se. It's that there's other alternatives that have arisen to actually, you know, also serve and, and, and to compensate for that experience. Yeah. So it's funny. I saw this, thing here and I, I'm not going to be able to credit the quote and I don't know why I'll have to go back and look but like it said yoga made 50 the new 30 but tech made 30 the new 50 <laughs> that wow that is interesting um so we're we're like it, it goes back to that health span versus our our cycle but here, the thing is is what was interesting about this is there was a sh shift 
there's this uh, the shorter, shorter and half life. They're calling the half life of knowledge. Hmm. And this this half life of knowledge. In other words, our, our, our the not the things that we know, the experience that we bring. And the relevance and value that is the half-life of that is getting shorter and shorter. So for example, you know, if you're a, if you are a developer and you got really, 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 really good at Python and you're just really good at Python, you know, which is a coding language. Sorry. For, yes, yeah, that's sorry, right. No worries. Language. Sorry. I'm in, yeah. <laughs> you're good. I've been in Silicon Valley too long. Now. <laughs> um, but there was a point in time where, you know, that could be, you could build a career off one being really good at one thing, right? This is just an example. Sure. You know, now you you can be good at Python now, but in five years, if you're still like, that's all you're good at with Python, that's your knowledge, that's your experience. You know, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to end up falling out. And that's, sure. um, so that, I think that's, that's really interesting. And it, it, it talks about these broader trends of, you know, the printing press, widespread liter- literacy made, you know, the lore that elders carried in their heads, you know, that was available to all that was, that was valuable, right? And now, you know, with the, the access to information everywhere and everybody has access to almost everything, that kind of sage wisdom that only one oracle, so to speak, would have, that one mm. person um, is no longer there. I don't necessarily need to get wisdom from or knowledge from somebody older than me, I can just go on Google, right? So the industrial revolution increasingly demanded younger and more mobile workers. I think we're still heading in that direction, which is why we're talking about it. And then, like we said, you know, medical advances have made people live longer, but I think it's that you have to continually adapt faster and faster and faster and faster yeah. uh, these days. Um, and that just makes it harder for, for anybody, let alone uh, people who 10, 15 years ago built a career on skills and have super valuable skills. And just as the economy has changed and adapted so much, those skills are just obsolete. Yeah. The problem is, I don't know if they are obsolete a lot of the time. I do think sure. the perception is that they're not as bright a shiny object yeah, um, right. as, as they might be. Certainly, you know, our industry, you know, that we've come up in uh, advertising is guilty of that. You know, like, you know, so much so that it became the meme, you know, what's our Vine strategy? Oh, guess what? Vine doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) What's our Snapchat strategy? Like, you know, what's our content strategy? Now there's a pushback. Oh, why are we even using the term content? It's ridiculous. What's our Facebook strategy? Oh, guess what? It doesn't matter because Zuckerberg can press a button and change the algorithm. So a lot of these sort of, uh, you know, chasing our tail type, um, you know, I guess signifiers of staying modern and staying relevant are perhaps not as reliable uh, yeah. a barometer of value and contribution as timeless lessons, the ability yep. to communicate, yep. the ability to like be on time, be punctual, manage projects. Sure, the tools yeah. are going to change, but certainly certain t- like, certainly public speaking. The, the older I get, the more I realize that persuasiveness and the ability to speak and make an argument uh, and be compelling and charismatic and own a room that really is the most valuable skill. And right. older people tend to have that type of command way more than younger people. I mean, you know, sure, some people more than others, obviously, it's sure. an individual scenario. Yeah. But if you have decades of experience of being persuasive and owning a room and speaking it very confidently and, and making a, a cogent argument, that, that is incredibly valuable compared to someone who might be a shrink, uh, you know, a bit of a wallflower in a meeting because they're fresh out of college and they don't have the experience. So I think that that is, um, it's very sad. I I think hopefully the worm has turned on this because it Mm. feels like we are 
unnecessarily, you know, limiting the human potential for, yeah. for no, for no clear reason. Wow. Like I think they got the old Vin Diesel. He's back. Vin, Vinny. How are you? I'm going to, hopefully we're doing Tokyo drift Mark two. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, I digress. So, so what do we got? Sorry, which one were we on now? Well, I was going to say the other thing about this is there's a, there's a, and I think this wraps into the technology, technological change in how Silicon Valley views this, which is, there's a traditional view that your your peak innovation years, which innovation equals value, you know, in, in technological terms, right? In, in in Silicon Valley terms, you know, traditionally, you look at, for example, like Larry Page and Sergey Brin. You know, they were 25 when they started Google, right? In 1998, you know, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, he was 19 when he created Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, but think about you know, William Shockley, he was 45 when he established the the Fairchild Semiconductor in 1955, you know, and you look at, you look at other, <laughs> you look at other investors, other investors, other inventors who really rose to peak years, their most intrepid achievements were really like in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. You, that, that's also in art as well. So, you know, I even look at Picasso, for example. So I think that's part of the technological thing is we think we, we value younger, 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 because we have this idea that that is more, you know, younger makes more innovative things. Yeah, just on that, I said Ray Kroc. I'm not sure if you heard me, but like he, he oh. was, um, he, you know, he founded McDonald's, I believe, at 52. And um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So that was often, um, it's often cited. You know, there's a guy, just as you were talking then, it's, I think it's really important. There's an article by a guy by the name of Bob Hoffman, and it was from April of 2018. It was called The Age of Creativity. And he talks about, it, like, it's, it's a really fascinating article. We'll put it in the show notes. But he uh, he talks about the the Pulitzer Prize winners from that year. Uh, mm-hmm. The one for drama, Lynn Nottage, was fifty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one for history went to Heather Ann Thompson, age fifty five. For poetry mm-hmm. went to Tahimba Jess, age fifty three. Uh, the Oscar for best director went to Guillermo del Toro, who was fifty three. Yeah. Uh, Frances McDormand at sixty. Gary Oldman at fifty nine. Alison Janney at fifty eight. The full Sam Rockwell will be 50 in November. Um, it, basically, all these, like, you know, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was 57, you know, um, comedy series for Veep. Uh, there's a handful of these, wow. right? Wow. And Alec Baldwin, yeah. Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series, uh, I think in the Emmys, 60. So basically, there's all these people where uh, who are at the height of their creative powers and that there is, but there's this perception that, People have, as, as to quote Bob in this article, people over 50 aren't creative enough to write an effing banner ad, as he put it. I believe that out. <laughs> but they are creative enough to dominate in Nobels, Pulitzers, Oscars, and Emmys. I guarantee not one of these brilliantly talented people could get a job in the an agency today. Not one. Is there another industry on earth that is as steeped in intolerance and as thoroughly isolated from reality as the ad industry? So that's just one anecdote around that. It's like we are shortchanging ourselves uh, in any in any field by yeah. overlooking the creative experience and powers of, of elder, you know, people older than us. Totally. Okay, yes. so number three, uh, like uh, put this as wisdom and experience is no longer considered as valuable. And we've sort of touched on this briefly, but I, I do yeah. think it is that component of, you know, in, in ancient societies, you know, they were the custodians of wisdom and experience and stories. Right. But now 
with all human knowledge and, and best practices and whatever that you want to learn is readily available to anyone who's seeking it out. It did now that being a custodian of that information is just not as valuable. So, I mean, what's your take on that? This idea of old equals older equals ex more expensive, less innovative. These are obviously stereotypes. Youth is cheaper. Youth, you can exploit them more. You know, I, I was reading and I saw the, these notes that somebody said, you know, I could take a salary. I could take your salary and hire five kids right out of college. Hmm. Could five people do the same thing as well or maybe better as one person with that, with a high salary, right? So these become very draconian calculations in an increased automated society. Some people's skill sets are just no longer uh, as relevant. And then, like I was saying before, access to information, you know, at some point we used to value wisdom because that was housed in somebody's brain who had viewed and experienced yep. life much longer than we have. And we, we wanted access to that. I still think there's a lot of merit there. I think we touched on that with with the uh, urban regeneration where, you know, Mark was talking about just hyperlinking to our urban regeneration episode. Mark was talking about this return to a neighborhood where you, you know, a young person can sit and talk to a person uh, who's much older than them and share and share that wisdom. And I don't think, you know, there's this humans we continually think we can use technology to replace human valuable things. And I, I think this is just another one where it's like, well, I can get, I can get my resources online. Um, I can get my wisdom online. I can get my Ted talks, my, my master classes. I can get, you know, whatever, whatever I need uh, I can get online. Whereas really like that human to human interaction where you get to talk about or listen to somebody's personal story and how they can tell that story in a way that is uniquely relevant to you is a uniquely human trait but we just don't value that as much as, as we used to. Yeah. Well, it's just, again, it, it's, there's an alternate, an alternative source of accessing that wisdom. Right. right? And, and this collective, you know, hive mind, which we call the internet. And, and I think it's, that's what it boils down to. It's like, right. And, and as you mentioned, you, you touched on it earlier, like, you know, the, the essence of capitalism is finding young and, and cheap labor. Right, no right. matter it, whether that's blue color or white color or whatever else, so it's extracting the most amount of value for the least amount of money, and unfortunately, people who are well credentialed and well experienced are more are pricier <laughs> than right. than cheaper people. So it, it you know, it's it's kind of irrefutable, but I, I do think the fact that you know now we're in this place where people are sort of wholesale left out of the category. And, and not allowed to participate in, in life and, and modern society, that is irrefutably discriminatory. And, and I think, uh, yep. you know, we're starting to see a cultural awakening around the short-sightedness of that. So I uh, want to go on well, to number think, four. Oh, sorry, you go. To that end, I think if we're really truly serious about the principle of, you know, non-discrimination, as a society, we'll take this seriously. If we're, if we are serious about that on principle, then this is actually still one of the most accepted forms of blatant discrimination. And I think that varies in different industries. I think in the ad agent ad world, like you and I, Chaz, like it's, 
it's completely like a free for all. Like it's absolutely fully acceptable. And I think part of that is because, you know, early in your ad career or any ad career, it can be such a grind, right? It can be all nighters. And, you know, somebody in their fifties is not going to be pulling all nighters like somebody who's 25 necessarily. No so, way. Right. <laughs> I mean, Cause they're smarter than that. They're like, no, I've got to get out of this. Um, anyway. So, so number yeah. four, and you had this, and I think this is really interesting. Uh, the Hollywood stereotypes. Yeah. You want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So I think who's the main female character in Fargo? In Fargo. Oh, oh yeah. Frances McDormand. Yeah. So, so she's in uh, this new piece called Nomadland and yep. there's, there was an article about it and I, I, sh I shouldn't even be talking about it cause I haven't read the full thing, but basically what it was talking about is how it's how unique you know, how Hollywood and I think advertising fits into this. And I think our general cultural view, cultural view on this, you know, I'll just say this right here in a report published in September yeah, 2019. Um, this was the University of uh, Southern California. They basically have an inclusion initiative and they said only three of 2019's top 100 movies featured a leading or co-leading role filled by a woman over 45 and only one of those roles went to a woman of color so you we can break this down where you have ageism but then you also have extreme ageism in hollywood uh, against older women for example and so i think i think as we you know it's clear like there's a marketing aspect to this. And this is uh, typically how this vicious cycle of discrimination happens. Whereas like, okay, well, you know, who are the people that are watching? Who's our hot target market for people watching movies on Netflix and on Hulu and on Amazon prime, for example, well, they're not people necessarily as much in their sixties and seventies, but they're, you know, 18 to 49. That's where most of the marketing and ad dollars and content and movies go to. So therefore we're going to cater to that. Therefore it reinforces the stereotype and it, it, it pushes people who are outside of those groups out. And I think that's what we're seeing here is there's just, you know, you, you hear a lot of actresses, particularly actresses um, yeah. who, who, who essentially just age out. They age yeah. out. And, and I, I think men, they age out too, but I think the dynamic for men is not as difficult, uh, especially in Hollywood. Um, so Hollywood has perpetuated the stereotype and we're starting to see a shift in that where we're going to have more, you know, middle-aged women who are taking lead roles. Cause up to, up to this point, it's been like supporting roles and, and all sorts of stuff. So I think there is a, an effort hopefully to, to change that, but it has, we've had been, been bombarded by these negative and hostile stereotypes up until now. You know, just as you were talking then, first of all, I agree with everything you said. Um, secondly, do you remember, I think it was last year or maybe two years ago, Keanu Reeves, was on the red carpet and he had, he was there with his, you know, partner slash girlfriend. Yeah. I think had, oh, she has gray, like gray hair. Yeah. Right? yeah gray yeah, hair. Yeah, but, and yeah. she's like, she's slightly younger than him, like a handful of years, I believe. I'm not sure exactly how, but everyone praised him so unanimously. Cause I was saying, wow, a big Hollywood star male who has right. a partner who is his around his age? There was they were, like they were yeah. giving him massive kudos for oh, doing wow. that, and yeah. and it does show how um, how rare and how I guess oblivious we are to this age discrimination, certainly around female stereotypes. That you know you mentioned people aging out. It's like over a certain age, uh, are women seen as you know past movie you know being in movies, and and the real answer is absolutely not. 
and you know, a character, you know, someone like Frances McDormand, who is sensational in everything she's in, or even you know, older actors and actresses, you know, Christopher Plummer, R.I.P., just died. He won an Oscar in his eighties a couple of years ago. I think it's for. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the name of the movie, but um, what it comes down to is we are unnecessarily uh, locking these people out and artists, contributors in the creative field and non and non-creative field fields. We're locking them out for absolutely no reason at all. There's we're doing so based on false assumptions a lot of the time mm-hmm. in a way that's incredibly myopic. So, and that I think leads in very nicely into the number five reason why that we, yeah. which you've put here is the, that the, you know, people of a certain age have been left out of diversity categories for the longest time, which in a way is silly because every diver, every minority, every group is also affected by ageism. Right. So the right. fact that um, people of, of a certain age should also be protected as it relates to sort of, you know, diversity. I've heard you talk about diversity of thought is a very important flavour of diversity that's often overlooked. So people of a certain age and experience, I think is very vital that they're included in in such categories. Yeah, so like almost half of the population is over 50, but older adults are only shown in about 15% of images. So, you know, you and I work in advertising, like we say, you know, we talk about, okay, we need to, we need to show and express advertising that reflects people that talks to the target when, and when we choose how those things are being expressed, they have to look like the people we're talking to. And we talk about how, you know, we want to have inclusion and we want to make sure that people that we cast, for example, like look like the people that we're talking to. I mean, that's just, that's just logical, but I think we're seeing a discrepancy, significant discrepancy, just in that statistic. I said here, 50% are, you know, over half the population is over 50, but yet, you know, the images that we see online that we see in Hollywood, go back to the Hollywood thing, uh, about 15%. And, you know, we don't even see ourselves. So I think we're starting to see an awareness about this. And I think also to this, there's, and I think as we get more conscientious of this, I think some of these things that are kind of like viewed as viewed as like age-based compliments or teasing about tech inaptitude or somebody saying that there was a senior moment or something like that. I mm. think, I think if we, if I understand it correctly, those are actually can kind of be viewed as little discriminatory jabs, microaggressions. I'm not quite sure, but like, yeah. um, you know, I think we're going to start to see like, Oh, actually what we thought was kind of endearing or, you know, viewing people as like a cuddly yoga Yoda or something like that, like <laughs> is not going to really be, acceptable anymore because there's actually a little bit of more than a little of prejudice behind that cuddly yoda you ha- i mean you really cuddly had me at, you really had me at the ear hair he's, he's got an abundance of it. oh yeah no that's good um so but you know what i'm saying it's like it's this okay boomer you know that that is a prejudice aggressive thing to say you're absolutely i mean you're stealing our own thunder for the patron saints there my friend but i I think you're right so just on that yeah um so just to recap the five reasons why um increased lifespan which is irrefutable we're living longer uh, the increased rapid uh technological change the pace of technological change which is rendering a lot of people's skills they've accumulated over the years somewhat um irrelevant 
or less relevant. Uh, number three, wisdom and experience is no longer considered as valuable. Number four, the Hollywood stereotypes and the cultural view is reinforcing these ageist tropes. And people of a certain age have been left out of diversity categories over the years. So they are the five reasons why we believe ageism is playing a significant role in culture today. Yes. Now, the patron saints. If you do a Google search of this topic, Ashton Applewhite, she is like the patron saint for this. She is leading the charge on this topic. She's absolutely given. Uh, the, the one, uh, you know, you you mentioned the, the gentleman who pioneered the term, Robert N. Butler, who coined the term in 1969. I, just in terms of recent times, okay, boomer became yeah. a phrase that was going around that was yeah. sort of this dismissive um, age-based jibe at, at people. And right. it just seemed so outrageously unnecessary. And I remember I, I, at the time, T Tyler Cowan, who's an um, economist at George Mason University, he wrote this article uh, in, in Bloomberg said, okay, kids, this boomer has had enough. And he said, you know, the, the <laughs> byline is those who use okay boomer reveal more about themselves than those they use it against. And the article, the encapsulation is that it's discriminatory based on nothing. And I actually, you know, I'm, I'm not a boomer, but you know, my parents are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember I, I posted this on uh, Facebook, I think at the time. And it's amazing how polarizing just even saying th this is a silly phrase. People jumped on it. Like one guy said, I, and I, I kid you not, he said something like boomers elected Reagan. Re they, they deserve everything they get. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hang on. I, I think the greatest generation and Gen X also elected Reagan. You know, like, like many people elected Reagan. Like it, it, it's weird. Like, this phrase using a cohort that exists in history that because people were born at a certain age and they're on the hook for all of the ills of society today seems a little bit uh, reductionist to be, to be generous, uh, you know, unbelievably short-sighted is another way you could say that. So oh. I, I just thought it was shocking. People are looking in this very fraught polarized society. They're looking for any group, to sow divisions, any distinction to say, this is my tribe, that's your tribe. And the fact that OK Boomers sort of started to circulate basically as a dig to anyone older than yourself, not just Boomers, just sort of is was a little bit, a little bit concerning, if you ask me. I think what people don't realize perhaps is, and this is, I think, the hidden cost or effect of any type of discrimination is that people start to those insults, people, you know, start to believe them. And, yeah. you know, as I was reading a lot about this, it's when you hear those messages, somebody who is quote a boomer or older or whatever are going to say, you know, yeah, you're right. I don't have a voice. I shouldn't be here. Right. Kind of thing. And it's just like any other discrimination, that voice saying, yeah, you know, you're right. I shouldn't be here. I, I shouldn't have this. My, my life isn't worth as much and, you know, people start to believe it. They start to internalize that. You know, I was looking at like late stage depression of people who are, you know, in their 70s, 80s and 90s. And it's that they think they're a burden or they think they are, you know, taking up 
people's time or whatever it is. And that creates this, this depression. So, you know, there's actually the World Health Organization finally did a big initiative on this. And older people who think they are a burden to others perceive their lives to be less valuable, putting them at a heightened risk of depression and social isolation. So there's huge effects about the, of this. Just, you know, we think, oh, that's just a, that's just a knock, you know, this okay boomer phrase. But I think like any, like I was saying, like any prejudice, there's a hidden effect on that. And I'll go on to say like ageism may be less overt in as other isms, like we talked about, can be less, it can feel less impactful. You know, this okay boomer seems more like a softer jab than something maybe more directly um, discriminatory, right? Or pejorative. But uh, Jonathan Zur, he's the president and uh, chief executive at the Virginia Center of Inclusive Communities, a nonprofit um, that that talks about all this, that does like training and all sorts of stuff. They, they help things become more equitable and inclusive. He explained that making assumptions about someone based on their age, even using terms like grandma or old man or okay boomer may not seem as painful as other prejudices, but certainly can have a negative consequence. For example, in the workplace, um, he says that uh, this can include lower rates of engagement, they just people stop stop engaging higher turnover older workers who are un, unfairly overlooked or dismissed and then uh, Allison Bryant AARP's senior VP she says over time like any other ism like ageism uh, has an effect on how people see themselves and that has an effect on people's health she hmm. she says this is a this can be a health issue more people run it, run into ageist thinking and age discrimination the more they start to second guess their own abilities uh, they get depressed and generally have more negative attitudes about this. So, like I said, I think these things seem harmless or just maybe just stupid uh, up front, but actually they can have a really detrimental effect on people's mental health um, as they are, you know, entering those years. Totally. Yeah. So, just to wrap things up, uh, you, yeah. you wanted it. You you had a review that you. Oh yeah, let's let's hit up a review. So we're trying to do a reader review every single week now, because um, you guys have everybody's been super generous with with the with the reviews. For some reason, Chaz, I I feel like I don't have access to all of them. Have you had that issue? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what's I, going on. I don't on either. With that. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so somebody said uh, this is uh, it's a very strange skiers word. excuse. Oh, okay, gotcha. Skiers excuse. So they say great new pod. Ches and Britt really knock it out of the park on this one. Uh, the boy from down under meets Midwestern wonder to make a sense of the weird, the worrisome, and the wonderful world of all things trending on the net. It'll have you laughing before you can say Karen. Well, thanks. Thanks, uh, Skier. Excuse me. That's a, that's a generous, uh, very generous of you. So <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you for that. Any other final thoughts? No, I think I think it was a good one. I mean, yeah. just if, if it wasn't clear, um, you know, I think both of us have a bit of a resounding um, visceral reaction to this idea of age discrimination. And I think we're certainly seeing um, the, a cultural appreciation yeah. for uh, elderly people, you know, people who are getting older and, and seeing that any discrimination is a form, you know, is, is just should be, you know, outlawed should be thrown away, should be seen as something of of no utility, and certainly as it relates to age, that's very true as well. Yeah, I think on that, how we treat how we treat our elders, like other like other vulnerable populations, and they're not all vulnerable. In fact, some are quite robust and the least vulnerable. But how we treat elders actually, I think, is a true reflection of how we view society at large. And I think it's an indication of how we view and value human life. 
Mm. I think that's that's a big thing. So, um, Anne Anne Carp said this. She goes, each time we see an older person, uh, we need to imagine them as our future self, and that helps. I think that that can give us a lot of help. I think if we think of it that way, we won't be like the people that say, "Hey, you know, okay, boomer." Yeah, let's let's abstain <laughs> from that if at all possible. Abstain from yeah, of course that. it's possible. Let's just not do it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is. Um, uh, that is it for uh, this week, everybody. You are listening to The Furious Curious, hosted and produced by me, Britton Rice, and my esteemed colleague here, Charlie Quark. Uh, we are here in San Francisco, California. Make sure you subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple and Spotify. And whenever you get, uh, whenever you get to your podcasts, like please rate us, like wherever that is, because it helps us find, helps other people find the podcast uh, more easily. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at the underscore furious underscore curious, and on Twitter at the frscrs. We welcome your comments, insults, constructive feedback, as well as suggestions for what we should do next. We've been getting a lot of good. Topics, a lot of good yeah. suggestions coming in. So keep them coming, guys, because uh, we're enjoying making them. Right on. Until next week, stay, stay curious. Through. Out. Out. She dyed her hair blue. She's going through a midlife crisis at 22. She thinks she's so cool. She knows the thing she is too